Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Let me go ahead and drop a mega gem into your soul. The enemy is crafty. Okay, hate to come out the uh, starting lineup as the Bible-thumping grandbaby that I can be at times. But the truth of the matter is the enemy is crafty. And so what we're going to have to do as a collective is make sure that we are hacking the craftiness because truth of the matter is his is nothing new under the sun. His armor has not changed against people, against God's people, against you, against whatever. It's the same old, same old. If you look like really took a zoom out perspective over your life and the things that have went ahead and tried to get you off of your peace pedestal, or whatever you were trying to do for God. If you really were to go ahead and start putting categories to the things that were attacking you, it's the same three or four things. It's either the finance, it's health, it's, it has to do with your identity in some kind of way. And it has to do with where you feel important or loved or supported it's the same three or four things just collectively all the time in different kind of ways with different people in different seasons and different years and it's the same old same old it just is what it is and I don't think that that's happenstance because when Jesus was in the wilderness with the enemy it literally says he only tempted him with three things and then he said he went off to go do about whatever he was going to do and he'll come back at a later time. And I always found that to be peculiar. I'm like, yo, you had Jesus literally the savior of the world for 40 days. You could have did whatever. I'm talking about use your best tricks, use your Use your best shot, sir. Whatever you have, this is the time to make sure that you throw everything that you possibly can consume, can consider, can create, can craft up at the savior of the world. Because if you get him to fall, then there is no savior for the world. So one would think that he would throw everything at him, every single thing, but he only tried to do his craftiness, and to get him J Jesus off of his rocker by using three things. So I dare to go out on a limb and believe it's the same three or four things in your life. It's the same three. That's why you meet people and you're like, mm-mm, met you before, already know how to handle you. <laughs> oh, no, 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 because you remind me of filling the blank that I got over last year. You remind me of, nope, because I dealt with that growing up in my household. Nope, you remind me of that supervisor that one time. Mm-mm. And if you don't notice, he keeps trying to reintroduce you to the only things that he knows that has tripped you up before. The only thing. He's so, he, he's so stupid, low-key, like I hate to, you know, but that's not nobody's grandbaby that we love. So he's stupid because, all right, you made Eve fall in the garden by using food and you really thought that was going to be the same armor that you can use against Jesus? If you're really the son of man, won't you turn this rock into bread? Like, come on, bro. Like, it, it really is ridiculous when you think about it, but... We don't really understand how powerful we are. We don't truly understand, like, literally, you'll look at it like, yeah, but that was Jesus. Yeah, but that was, you know, whoever else that you put on a higher pedestal. But no, you don't understand that you're loved by God. That's the only reason why the weapons are forming in the first place. 
But how soon that we forget that you forgot the other part, they don't prosper. And what I'm starting to learn about the attacks is you have to be very careful on how you view them. Because if not careful, you'll start to look at God like, where are you? You'll start to look at Jesus like, yo, don't you care? You don't see the things that I'm going through. You don't see the things that I'm starting to experience. Like, is any, hello, is anyone home kind of thing? And it's almost like, yo, I get it now. And I feel like I'm getting to to the scripture part that I want to talk to faster than usual, but I'm probably going to go ahead and have to do that. Let me just let Holy Spirit lead the way that he wants to read. So I was looking at Jesus when he was in the boat and it resonated with me in a different way in this season because of what's going on with me in this season. I realized that I have certain triggers, you know, after I left the job and after corporate rather, and after I went ahead and said, okay, this is clearly not, the doors are not opening this way. I don't see the fruit of remaining on this path, which is supposed to be peaceful. It's supposed to feel the grace of like the mercy. Like, no, I felt every bit of the inclement weather of trying to continue on a path that I I wanted, but that I had to get to a place that I could admit that God wasn't anointing. That's a huge difference. Just because you want it, doesn't mean that God is obligated to anoint it. And so I was like, okay, I had to do the one thing that the Bible says to do, but I never really factored it into my life. He who tries to save his life will lose it. And so I looked at it like, you are trying to save your plan. You are trying to save this mission so that you can save face. You are trying to make sure that you didn't waste your time going to school, that you didn't waste your time sitting in this this company, in this position, in that seat for however long. You are trying to be the glue to a plan that God is like, so as soon as you let down that plan, I can go ahead and start to give you the plot points to the plan and the purpose and the calling that I have on your life. And so I had to do something that I never even factored in. I had to let go of what I accumulated. My networking, my skills, my accolades, the people that I know, my LinkedIn, all the things that I felt like kept me connected and kept me on the path to where I wanted to go. God was like, and as soon as you let all that go, I can start moving in your life and probably put some supernatural things in place. But you keep putting your plan B and your safety net and all these other things in place that you don't realize that your bright idea is blocking mine. And so I did what I'm doing now. I let it go. And if I'm honest, that peace truly, truly did surpass all understanding. Truly and true. The fruit of peace was the first thing that sprung up and blossomed immediately after quitting corporate. I was like, okay, now that's undeniable. My headaches went away. The migraines that I was experiencing, my body was doing things to get back on track. I was like, oh, one of the things, a little bit of TMI coming forward. I said it before, but it's worth repeating. My cycle was all over the place and I'm not a a irregular cycle grandbaby. So that was something that got my attention. And I'm like, wait a minute, something is off. Like I don't, and you think, oh, you know, maybe it's changing over, but no, I was feeling every bit of like, am I okay? Like, how come, like, what's going on? Like, this is weird. 
not taking anything extra, not adding anything extra to my, my diet or, or my regime. It just really was my body indicating we are misplaced. And so I'm going to continue to send you signals until you plant me somewhere else. And so immediately, and I mean suddenly, verily, verily, I say unto you, the peace blossomed faster than I could try to put words to it. It was inexplainable. I was like, oh, I'm sleeping better. I feel better. But it was like a supplement that I'm like, uh, where do you order this from so I can make sure that I keep getting this? It was like that prominent in my life. And so I'm like, okay, this is amazing. I laid it down. I laid down the plan and the purpose and the path that I have for my life. But then I noticed certain triggers. Whenever it was time to budget or whenever it was time for me to do something financial, I literally felt like, oh, okay, I'm starting to get a little bit of a panic because the consistent income that I was receiving from corporate is no longer, right? And so I'm like, okay, you, one would think, okay, so you laid that down, you did something for God, uh, okay, so now go ahead and, you know, uh, there should be an abundance, right? No, it doesn't actually work like that all the time. <laughs> I think sometimes the abundance comes first in the spiritual realm. Maybe I, I needed an abundance of peace first. I needed an abundance of breathable room. Like I needed, I, he, I guess he put into order the things that needed to be done. And I was like, but first, can you go ahead and make sure that that, that, and that is paid off? Uh, because this, I, I would have planned this uh, a little better, but I felt like the way that I was being led was like, no, you cannot continue to plan your path. At some point, you're going to have to be Holy Spirit led. And so I said, okay. But the trigger of what am I supposed to do consistently for the next couple of months? Because that's the grandbaby I am. I have a budget like that surpasses like, oh, okay, so this is my savings plan. This is my. And so if I can't do that monthly, then I start to feel a little like, ooh, like even right now saying it, I'm like, yeah, I don't like it. I feel ill prepared. I'm not even going to hold you. It does not feel good. So the first month that I was out, God went ahead and did something supernatural because I went ahead and I quit at the end of August. September covered. Mm-hmm. Awesome. October came and I was like, okay, but supernatural things were happening in September. I was getting supplemental uh, checks that I didn't know. I was like, I'm sorry, this is from what? Huh? Well, praise God, you know, checks and bonuses. It's already done. Like, okay, we, we used to say that affirmation in church, I guess is coming on around and you welcome in this way to my bank account. I ain't mad at it. Okay, great. But then I, I, I had a real talk conversation with my husband. And I feel like transparency is the open door to being totally healed. In other words, you cannot reach the level of clarity and complete healedness until you get to a place that you're no longer trying to cushion, polish, buffer what you really feel. And so I got to a place that I now understand uh, the anointing and being authentic, even if it doesn't sound like something that you're like, I don't, I don't like how that sounds out loud, but if it's your truth, put it on the table so that God can go ahead and do something with it, holding it inside. And he already knows how you feel and what you're thinking. Anyway, it's oxymoronic. So the conversation that I had with my husband, I said, I am starting to feel like God, like I, I, I'm having a hard time. And when I was able to break it down, I asked him, I said, 
I'm starting to feel like I can no longer sit in a seat of sacrifice and obedience and at the same time watch the boat sink. So my question was, and boat being a proverbial illustration to my life, my finances, my whatever, because if you're like me and you're a planner, the way that the tape plays forward for you sometimes is, yo, if we don't have something in place, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> like, I'm a little nervous. I ain't going to hold you, right? There's some grandbabies that's cool. There's other ones that's like, oh, yeah. So he, yeah, we have a bill that's due uh, two months from now, and we're two months uh, early. What are we getting ready to do? So, yeah, we, we need something in place, basically. And so when I said that to my husband, I said, how am I supposed to be okay and the Holy Spirit just knew to use that verbiage because it prompted this telephone call here. How am I supposed to be okay with watching the boat sink? And my question to him, follow-up question was, what am I supposed to do? He said, bring it to Jesus the way that the disciples did. And I promise you, he couldn't have said anything else to me because it's almost like he went Charlie Brown, womp, 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 womp. And the Holy Spirit was like, that was the only piece that you needed. That was the missing piece. And so I literally sat with that. I said, I want to go back and I want to read when Jesus was in the boat. But the ironic thing was that that particular illustration was not only documented in three different parts of the gospel, because, you know, each of the disciples gave their own perspective of it, but that I can tell who was the most bothered by the way that it's a, it was documented. So when Jesus was calming the storm, it's actually documented in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I noticed that the one that was documented in um, Mark, I can tell that Mark was the disciple that was irritated by the by the calmness that Jesus showed. But when I read it in Luke, I can it was something a little different. So I said for the first time, I'm going to have to read the same parable, the same story. I'm going to have to read it from two different gospels because it gave me something different in both and yet I related and what resonated to me was both of them. So Mark 4, you know, I read in the NLT version. Let's go ahead and go down to verse 35 where it says, Jesus calms the storm. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silent, be still or pause. Some version says, peace, be still. Resume. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. 40. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? 41. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, what was prominent to me 
was the way that they described Jesus. 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care? They were going to drown. Now, just to give you a comparison, let's read it in Luke. So Luke chapter eight, we're going to go ahead and read from verse 22. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. 23. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap, but soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. 24. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, master, master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Contrast, comparison, huge difference. Luke just pretty much summed it up that Jesus was getting ready to settle down and take a nap. But he zoomed in on the state of danger they were in. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. Like he really, he really sold that. I was like, Ooh, (laughs) this is a lot. I ain't even going to hold you. But he didn't, Luke didn't go into much detail about the state of Jesus. Luke didn't even go into great detail about what Jesus said to them. He just has that. He said four words, where is your faith? He didn't even go into the extracurricular. And there was something about Mark's version of it. That was like, you were so gleaned into what Jesus was doing to what Jesus said that you, it completely went over your head. The message that he was trying to bring forth to you. And sometimes we can be that way. We can be so inundated with what's going on and, and how we feel. And look, he's not even arguing back, so he don't care about this relationship. Look, she's not even doing A, B, and C, so how could she possibly care that you would not, you, you would be so blinded by how someone else is acting, which is probably opposing to your particular carrying out and how you feel in that situation that you would deem that another person does not care about you. Another person does not care about what's going on. Another person does not value you. Another person feels E or the above in a negative state about you all because you are fixated on how they are responding to the situation versus why am I not responding that way? Why am not, I'm not as calm about our finances as my husband is. Why am I not resting in the boat with Jesus? And he's in this boat too. He's in a storm with us, but why do I not have that state of calm? Why is it that the two of us can be going through the same exact situation, the same exact household, and I don't have no ill feelings towards that particular family member. And we both were in the same situation. It should get your attention. It should pique your interest when someone else is acting in a way that looks polar opposite from you. And instead of looking at someone else like you, there's no possible way that you can care. Why don't you start looking at yourself like, what could I adopt from this person? What can I learn and glean and lean in on in in this particular example God is showing me through this person that's across from me and but sharing the same sentiment and situation as me what can I pull from them so that I can be as calm as peaceful as joyful while being in this same predicament it really got my attention 
that no one <laughs> said, bruv, he's laying down, I want to lay down too. Or after he calmed the waves and the wind, be a student. Instead of being afraid, the disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? When he gives a command, even the waves and the wind obey him. Okay, instead of continuing to, so you lead with fear and that you wake him up asking him if he cares. And then you follow up with fear that you're like, oh my gosh, the winds and the waves listen to him. So that just shows me that the disciples had a posture of fear. Their foundation was fear. And it literally got to the point that Jesus had to say, bro, like how much more, like, where's your faith? Like, I don't understand why, why you, you, you were fearful before the, you got in the boat. You were fearful when the storm came. I calmed the storm down. You're fearful after, like at this point, you don't have a fear issue. You have a faith issue. At some point you have to look at it like, yo, he's, he gave you the financial situation. He met the need before he's, you were, you were scared when he met the need and then he meets the need, but now you're afraid for the needs that are to come, the future needs. And it's like, calm down. Okay. That particular prayer had to be prayer. You, you felt the particular emotion when you prayed that now he answers that, but now you're fearful of what if it happens again? It's like, okay, so time out. Honestly, you don't have a fill in the blank problem. You have a faith problem. Your issue is not that you have daddy issues is that you have a trust issue. It's not that you just have a trust issue is that you have a literally a faith issue. Because if you're going to lead that way, and even when God answers you, you still stay in that way. Okay, at this point, it's not that you're afraid of the boat. It's not that you were in real danger at that time. That was understood at that time. But once God meets that need, you're going to still feel that way. You just transferred over your fear to another part because the way that your fear is set up, you got to transfer from the savings to the check-ins. <laughs> like seriously, at this point, you got to look at yourself like, yo, I don't want to just keep transferring this emotion. I want to dismantle it. I don't want to feel this anymore. I don't want to continue to go from one stage of faith to the other. I want to go from glory to glory to blessing to blessing, not from fear-based issue to fear-based issue, not from fear-based issue to fear-based issue. You shouldn't just be willing to just carry that all throughout your life to carry that from one season to the other to carry that and it's like to the point that you have to look at your arms like I'm tired now but you're so used to being in that state that your arm has carved out whatever is needed for you to stay there something is off about that and the thing that I, I really want to bring home is that a couple of things got my attention with this whole story because I asked my husband how can I be restful how can I be peaceful if I'm also supposed to watch the boat sink. And here's what I got from this. Prior to this particular season, reading Jesus calm in the storm, it was just like, oh, okay. They got in the boat. It got a little bit crazy. I guess they wasn't really strengthening or strong in their faith. And they was like, oh, this is getting out of hand. Hey, Jesus, real quick, can I wake you up and can I say something? And Jesus was like, uh, y'all shouldn't be afraid, but hold on real quick. Hey, stop. And then told the waves and the winds to do what they were not supposed to do. Like, uh, yeah, we're not going to do that. And just keep it moving. Now reading it, I'm like, mm, yeah, this is, um, this is a little different. I'm not even going to hold you. And this time I want to read it completely from Mark four. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. Although other boats followed. 
37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Pause. Here's the thing that people have to go ahead and understand. The enemy is strategic and crafty the way that I just started this conversation out in the beginning. What we don't understand is that out of all the times that you could have gone ahead and done anything, why did he decide to do it once Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake? I'm sure that we can see documented. This was usually their primary source of transportation. However, why was it that it was this particular time when Jesus said, the disciples, let's go ahead and go to the other side of the lake? You mean to tell me that you kept this particular storm and wave in your back pocket and you were like, nope, let me just wait for the opportune time. And the other thing that got to me is that the parentheses, although other boats followed, the Bible does not document to me that anybody else's boat was in wasn't any kind of shambles Were the other boats also experiencing this particular fierce storm were there high waves breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water with them well then they gonna be in some kind of trouble because this is the only boat that got jesus in it so if the other boats are following them then wouldn't it be obvious that they followed them into the storm The same storm that was dangerous, the same storm that was like fierce, all the different ways that is explained. What we do know is that the storm was not playing. But how come this was the only boat that was affected? How come this was the only boat that had some type of danger, red alert to it? I mean, after all, Jesus told me to go to the other side. So I'm carrying out what God said to do. I'm doing the thing that God said to do. I didn't get in this boat just because I wanted to go ahead and just see what it is to get in a boat at this hour. I got in this boat because Jesus told me to. I got in this boat because I was directed to. And not only am I in this boat because of that, I'm not only in this boat because I'm being obedient. I'm in this boat because Jesus is in this boat with me. However, what we don't understand is that the enemy is crafty and that's the same boat that he wants to go ahead and attack so he will mistakenly make you believe that maybe I wasn't called to do a b and c maybe I wasn't supposed to leave that job maybe I wasn't supposed to go ahead and leave that relationship maybe Jesus didn't tell me to go to the other side of the boat maybe I chose the wrong boat and he'll have you questioning what God said to do he'll have you questioning the very thing that you got confirmation on he'll have you questioning it well you were supposed to do it at that time maybe you should have gotten a boat last night maybe if you would have waited a day you could have avoided the storm and he'll have you thinking all these other kind of things and what you don't realize is baby let me explain something to you he your timing has nothing to do with it your level of obedience has nothing to do with it he saw that you were actually moving with God moving when God said to do it and he sees that God is with you so now if I said it I don't care who else's boat is on the mist yeah everybody else started a business but he wants yours because that's the one that Jesus is in he wants your particular relationship because that's the one that has God's imprint he wants everybody else's mm -mm. he wants your kids rebuke it in the name of Jesus because that's the one that God put an anointing on and it's always you mean to tell me out of all the 
kids? Why you put this ordain out um, to kill all the kids that are male and put them in the now river? But you only do that when there's a Moses in the midst. You understand? You only do certain things that you like, ooh, I, I got to go ahead and do something early. Because if they go ahead and wake up and know their purpose, if they start to go ahead and lean into their power, if they understand the calling that God really has on their life, my gosh, the things that they would do. So he goes ahead and he tries to go ahead and let fear into the chat. And he wants people to start questioning what God said. And he wants people to start looking like, well, maybe. And as long as he has you questioning, he will stop your movement. He will stop your momentum. And what you don't understand is that should make you go a step further. You don't wake God up. You don't go to the, th the throne. You don't go in your prayer and start questioning God. Don't you care? Don't you see that the boat is sinking? Don't you see that I need a financial increase? Don't you see that my family is starting to suffer because I'm trying to obey you? Don't you see that I'm in some type of danger? Don't you see that I'm getting attacked and I'm doing the very thing that you said to do? You don't go on that. You turn to the waves and the wind the way Jesus did and say, peace be still, a.k.a. I rebuke it. And that got my attention. Because I said, why would Jesus rebuke the winds and the waves? So I had to look up even what rebuke meant. And, and we, we know how to use it, but I don't think we really understand it. Rebuking is literally getting to a place that you're like, yo, you are not operating in alignment to what I know God has. The new Oxford dictionary and the bishops thereof described rebuke as an express sharp disapproval of criticism because of their behavior or actions. The noun is an expression of sharp disapproval or criticism. Why would Jesus rebuke, a.k.a. disapprove of what the winds and the waves was doing? Because, yo, when, when God made the winds and the waves and all of that in Genesis, he never meant it to kill what he was going to create on the sixth day. You think that he would create mankind in his own image, male and female, he created them just to go ahead and have it where he created something else that's not in his image that was going to kill off something that he created in his image? Make it make sense. And so when Jesus was getting out of his nap, he was like, sir, we didn't create you to be putting creation in jeopardy. I disapprove of that. I rebuke that. I, I criticize that back to where it belongs. So it wasn't so much of him saying, peace be still. He was saying, bro, operate the way that you was manufactured to do. Yeah, you ain't supposed to be. What are you doing? Wind don't, don't scare humans. <laughs> what are you doing? No, waves are not supposed to do this. What are you doing? The combination of y'all two are not supposed to create a storm that's dangerous for people to go ahead and transport in a boat in. What are you doing? What do you mean? No, absolutely not. No, body, you ain't supposed to be sick. You, This is a temple of God in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that. By his stripes, I'm healed. No, -uh, no, it says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. God said, if you go, he will give you so much. You can't, you read you some Ephesians press down, shaking over. You won't have room for it. It's all this talk about abundance. So if you see lack, uh-uh, I rebuke that. I disapprove. He didn't create all this for me to live in lack. There's no such, I'm sorry. I'm not accepting that. That should get your attention because it got mine. And I got to the place that I'm starting to read this living Bible. And I'm like, yo, there are some real talks in here that it's like, wait a minute. Just let's just continue to read. So 38, Jesus was sleeping 
at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Mm, Yo, catch that, please. 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silent, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Nine times out of 10, we're going to God (laughs) with the fear of, oh my gosh, if this continues, this is going to happen. You're going to lose this tangible item. You may not have that particular job. That relationship may go blah, blah, blah. And you don't realize that all God literally has to do is find the common denominator to the issue and the whole thing will be resolved. He, it literally says that he rebuked the wind and then uh, said to the waves, silence, be still. But guess what the outcome was? Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. The Bible doesn't illustrate that the waves stopped. The Bible doesn't illustrate that the waves went ahead and and drawn up and, and it was dry land all of a sudden. The wind was the issue. The wind was the thing that was causing the harshness to the waves and the ocean and all the other things. The wind was the thing that was orchestrating. The wind was the common denominator. So when you are looking at a situation, you're looking at the fear of if this continues, we're going to drown. When Jesus sees the thing, he's like, all I got to do is stop the wind and this whole thing will be a wrap. All I got to do is remove that supervisor and your whole job experience will feel better. All I have to do is drop that, make that one particular thing that I told you to do, make that lucrative and your whole financial situation would be a wrap all I gotta do is heal you from that mommy issue that one thing that she said that one time that keeps replaying in your head and your whole self-esteem will be shot up all I have to do is heal that daddy issue and you don't even understand you'll start seeing men differently and maybe love will enter your life in a different way all I have to do you don't understand you're looking at it so huge like God if you don't fix it and he's like no 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 I'm going to get the root of it out of your life the root of it out of your life Because then once he went ahead and dealt with the issue, he turned to them and said, 40. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Yeah, because while the root of the issue over here is the wind, the root issue over here with you is your faith. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't expect them to be superhumans and ask them this question while the winds and the waves were still doing the stuff. Can you imagine? They're like, bro, I want to hear you and I want to understand, but I'm scared. God knows that he has to calm certain things down in your life to finally get through to you. He's clear. He's clear of the order. He's clear of the fact that you listen in better circumstances than opposed to others. He's very clear. And how does it end? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Yeah, because he made all this. (laughs) He created all this. God has great plans for your life. Yeah, he's not, you already have an enemy. You think he's going to let the natural things that he created go ahead and be added to the list? Like, come on, like, bro, we're not playing that game. 
And so what I really wanted to bring home here is you're not on the wrong path. You are absolutely aligned to where God has for you. The litmus test of am I supposed to be on this path is not that everything goes right. It is not that everything is smooth. It is not that, oh, everything is happening in a supernatural way. Sometimes, oftentimes, the litmus test to you're exactly where you're supposed to be is that you're like, bruh, out of all the times <laughs> that uh, I could have done this, I'm only doing this because Jesus said to do so. I'm only doing this because I feel led to do it. And now that I feel led to do it, why are all the storms happening now? Sometimes that's your litmus test. Sometimes. And sometimes it leads us to go back to Jesus and say, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? Yes. That's why out of all the boats, I got no one with (laughs) y'all. Yes. That's why out of all the time that I wanted to go ahead and and take a nap, I already knew if I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it outside of y'all. I'm going to do it at the back of the boat. Yes, certainly do care. So don't you dare. Don't you dare question how you're being led don't you dare question how what you feel in your heart you're supposed to do in this season don't you dare question well should I have done this later should I am I in the proper timing should I have done it earlier or maybe I should have waited when because you're looking at past situations or you're looking at where you were and you're like well there wasn't no storms to go ahead and fight over there yeah but also Jesus was not there with you Sometimes the litmus test to confirming Jesus, are you here? Is that he protects you when you ask. He protects you when you ask. Imagine that the disciples decided, I'm going to go ahead and go on a boat. Okay. Without Jesus. So if something terrible was happening to the boat, you can't go to him. And say, um, don't you care that we getting ready to? He's not there. Sometimes the litmus test is the fact that Jesus is an arm length. So that as soon as you say, yo, this is happening. He's like, oh, well, let me just hold on. Stop. Peace. Be still. Okay. Now what's up with y'all? Like why y'all? That's the litmus test. I am where I'm supposed to be. I am perfectly aligned because the I am is with me. How do I know? Because I asked something and it happened. He protected me. There were some things I did not know. There were some things I did not foresee. There were some things that I thought like, ooh, maybe if I would have had that, I would have did something different. No, the litmus test is he's here because the protection is here. He's here because the protection is here. He told you to go that way. If you truly believe that, he'll continue to protect you on your way. Point blank, the period. And whatever you need, he will give you the root of it. You just make sure that your foundation of faith is strong. You're going to have to remind yourself, God, you did it before and you'll do it again. You did it in other people's lives. You'll do it in mine. Nope, this amount of money is not a lot. You can go ahead and meet that need. Nope, you've heard this diagnosis before, but you said by your stripes I'm healed. Nope, you've turned other relationships around. You can turn this one around. Nope, this thing will not weep and may endure in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Nope, sometimes you got to remind yourself of the word. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself in the word. Sometimes you got to remind yourself, encourage yourself, and then do more stuff after that. But what you better know is that I'm going to keep my faith as God walks out my path, as he orders my steps, as he tells me what to do next. But I am not 
going to sit in this storm and start to question, was I supposed to be here in the first place? And is this the way that it's going to be? No. No and more no. You got to get to a place that you start to hack your faith. You hack your faith, a.k.a. you encourage yourself. God has a plan. He did not lead you this way just for you to go ahead and fend for yourself the rest of the way. That's why I had the conversation with you before that he is a God that leads, feeds, and covers. And you need to get to a place that you truly believe that no matter what storm comes your way. And I'm speaking to the both of us. I ain't going to hold you. I'm speaking more to myself than you at this point. Because I'm going to make a declaration, which I want to be your challenge. Any storm that comes up, find rest in that Jesus is with me. Them other boats, I feel sorry for those grandbabies. But Jesus is with me. Because at that point, Jesus wasn't omnipresent. So God bless them. And that's between them and the Lord that y'all wanted to go ahead and follow. But Jesus is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And this storm is just a part of the seasoning for the season that I'm in. And I'm okay with the recipe that God is conjuring up in the kitchen of my life. The absolute end. Do you understand that? Okay. Well, listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Okay. You know what these conversations are. They are life provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite home girl. Okay. Um, have you been checking your girl out on YouTube? Created the number two multiply. Well, you need to. Okay. Pressure, but no pressure. Uh, and then also the Patreon, you know, we got a text and blog community happening, uh, for strive the letter in inspire. And then for all things that are the happenings created to multiply.com, like it is what it is. We all, we got, that's how I feel like it needs to be screamed out, but, um, you got websites and Patreons and YouTubes to go to. So I'm gonna go ahead and let you let me go. Okay. We talk later. Later. <laughs>